This is the Conduit Church Teaching Podcast. Thanks for joining us. It's our mission to be a conduit of Jesus to the community in front of us and the world around us, starting with the teaching of His Word. Enjoy the message. So would you open your Bibles to the book of Revelation, chapter 5? And while you're turning there, Bible tells us, Revelation promises us that blessed are you who read this aloud and you who hear it. So we're just going to take God at his word and read it aloud and be blessed by it. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. And I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open the seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice, they were saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said, amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. Jesus, would you give us insight into your word today? These are your words to us. They're not only a prophetic, but they're pertinent for our life right now. I just ask for your wisdom to be with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What would make a man like John weep like this? Um, this is the kind of ugly cry. If you've ever been through any sort of like therapy, uh, you know, sat in a circle, whatever, in the AA world, and, they, and that, that ugly sob, like where you're like uh, hyperventilating sob, like, that's what it's talking about. Like, this isn't like a, you know, a misting. This is literally a fetal position level of sobbing. Now, John is not a weakling, right? John is, remember the Sons of Thunders? Like, that wasn't, was that a show on uh, Lifetime or something like with motorcycle people? But it, it was actually the nickname that Jesus gave John and James, his brother, because they wanted to call down lightning 
fire on the Samaritans. Like they're not screwing around. John has somehow managed to survive like an entire lifetime. All the disciples are gone. Somehow John is still alive. He's 80 some years old, banished to an island and writing prophecy. Okay, not a weak man. So why is he weeping in heaven? I mean, Eric Clapton promised us there would be no more tears. Right? In heaven. Some of you kids are going to have to Google that. But here's what I, I think he's weeping. He's weeping because at the core of who we are, we know that life here is limited. We know that our planet is uh, on borrowed time. I mean, look, what do you think they're doing in Silicon Valley right now, these tech billionaires, when they're not busy censoring our speech, they're busy trying to figure out how to live forever? I mean, do you guys know this? Like Peter Thiel, like Sergey, like Google, they're all investing billions of dollars to try to figure out how to live longer. To defeat death is what they say. Interesting language, isn't it? And by the way, the reason they're spending that much money on it is not only for their own sake, but uh, one of the CEOs of one of these companies is saying, whenever you meet a fundamental human need, there's a market, said Michael West, a gerontologist, CEO of Ajax Therapeutics. And in this case, the market for age-related disease and aging is a trillion-dollar market. They are trying everything they can to make sure that you and I can live forever. Simultaneously, Elon Musk, did anybody see when he like launched, it looked like a water heater that he had launched this week. I don't know if you saw it. Like Google and Musk, they're not just trying to launch a rocket to see who can get to space between like Russia and the United States. It's different now. They're trying to save the human race. Like that is their stated purpose. We need to get to another planet to save us. And I don't know if you're aware of this, but it's not working so good. And when you go back to what John is doing here, John is seeing a scroll that he cannot open. Nobody can open. It's the scroll, uh, we'll, we'll talk about this in the deeper podcast this week. A scroll that theologians would suggest is the title deed or a representative of the title deed for planet Earth. That when Adam in the garden, Adam sinned. It was the sin of Adam. Eve, right, she might have been tricked, but Adam knew what he was doing. God told him directly, don't do this. And in the garden, Adam said, you know, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, have you ever wondered what that is? It's just Adam saying, I'm going to decide what is good and evil. I want to be, what did Satan want? Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 32, I think. He wanted to be equality with God. It was out of pride, Isaiah 14, that he wanted to be equal, not with the other angels, but with God. Pride and equality, those sins had come into him saying, I want to be like God. And so that was the sales job that he did on Adam in the garden. God is holding out on you. God gave Adam dominion over the earth. He didn't tell him, I know I've said this before, he wasn't out there just picking flowers and naming bugs. Like he who had been given dominion over the earth. And in that moment with Lucifer in the garden, he gave over control of this earth. It's why Jesus called Satan the God, little g, of this earth. It's why 
Paul calls him the prince of the power of the air, that in that moment, that is what happened. He signed over his dominion to Lucifer, to a one-third of the heavenly hosts that we call demons. They're fallen angels. And that is why we have had thousands of years of death and destruction and sickness and dictators and crazy. And John is saying, if nobody's worthy to get this back, this piece of paper, this scroll, this title deed in the Jewish culture when they bought a, a piece of property, on the one side of the, the document was the, uh, this is the, the property. It's, it's, given, uh, it's given to Shannon. Shannon now owns this piece of property. If Shannon loses that property, if it's foreclosed on, if she gives it away by violating principles for it, then it is written on the other side of the scroll what it would take to get the property back, and then it is sealed up. And we see that in Jeremiah 32. Tracy, I love it. <laughs> Jeremiah 32, uh, Ezekiel 2 as well mentions these documents that are on two sides, sealed up. And that's what we see as a document, sealed up on two sides. And who can open it? And John is weeping because nobody is worthy in history. Under the earth, those who have died before him, on the earth currently, in heaven presently, nobody could do it. Lots of people were willing Charlemagne was willing, Hitler was willing, Z in China, I don't know if you've noticed, he's willing to try to take control of the earth, to, to put it differently, to save us. Like even when you think about every election we've been through, and I've been through a few of these, everyone is, my side thinks if I can get this man or this woman, they can save us and save our country. And I don't know, I mean, you know, Kathy, Mike, you've lived through a few more than I have, but I've lived through a few. How, like, how's that working out for us? Yeah, right? That's what John is weeping about because it keeps getting worse. And if there's nobody worthy to take back control of this earth, plenty of people willing, but nobody worthy, then we're in a lot of trouble. The thing is, is that we tend to make it a political solution, geopolitical. What's happening in Silicon Valley is they're trying to make it a scientific solution. They're trying to make it a scientific solution because if we can travel to another planet, if we can create life beyond this, that, that's their whole model right now is science can save us. Now, the problem with science at this point is that man, humankind, we can't travel at the speed of light. It will kill us. So when they make it a science problem, even Einstein, when he's talking about relativity, he only says approaching the speed of light because they know that humans will disintegrate at the speed of light. What I would like to suggest to you this morning is that they're making it a science problem, politicians make it a political problem, but Jesus says it's neither of those, it's a sin problem. It's a sin problem because what he did by becoming man, by dying, by paying for us, now that we are in Christ, our resurrected, the problem, what is it? I can't get there because my body will be disintegrated at the speed of light. I can't live forever because my body right now, uh, Paul calls it a tent, 1 Corinthians 15. I would like to suggest that about my age, my tent has got some holes in it. Uh, a couple of those little bars that are supposed to hold stuff up are not like they used to be. I mean, I was out on the bike yesterday. Don, so Don's in better shape. No, this is going to be a surprise to anybody, but Don's in better shape than I am. But I'm out on that bike, 49 years old, and I'm telling you, a couple of those hills, I'm like, 
my body doesn't do that. You know what I mean? Like, uh, and, and admittedly, it's like if, if Don were to strap like a couple of 20-pound bags of potatoes on his back and try to get up the hill, like he might experience what I'm experiencing. But, but my body doesn't do that because it's not 29 anymore. We're all dying. Greg Murtha told me three years ago, some of you all know Greg, told me, Darren, the only difference between me and you is that we're both dying. The only difference is I know it. And I'm living differently. And here's the thing, without hope, without Jesus, we're all dying. There is no hope. But what I love is this tent that's folding up, 1 Corinthians 15 tells us, or that's 2 Corinthians 5, 1 Corinthians 15 says that our body's gonna go into the ground like a seed and it's gonna resurrect a new body. It's not a science problem, it's a sin problem. That our resurrected bodies will be like Christ. Resurrected body that will get up the hill easily, right? What, whatever it looks like, it won't look like this. And that's what Jesus has done. He has given us a way out of here and over there. He has given us a way, in the words of the great Jim Morrison, to break on through to the other side. Anybody laughing right now? You are telling me how old you are. Kids probably shouldn't Google that. Here's what I know, though. This is the, the joy and what I want to share with you in the few minutes that we have. Someday we will get to the other side, okay? Those of you that have lost loved ones this year, I mean, Jeremy, your mom has a new body. Like, whatever it looks like, we don't know other than I mean, I, I think it's fascinating that the disciples on the road to Emmaus didn't recognize Jesus. I wonder if it's, you know, did you go to elementary school with somebody and then you meet them later in life and you're like, I kind of, I think I know who you are. I think there's something, an element to that, that it's, it's still Linda, but it's like Linda, like the way that God meant her to be. So you'll hear her voice, you hear her like, oh, oh, I'm Ma, I do know you. I know you in the perfect body that she has been given. That's what we have to look forward to. But until that day, until that happens on this side of heaven, on this side of space time, in this universe that we exist in, God is right here, right beside us. That is what science has been proving for years, that there are multiple universes and God is that one. He isn't in some far off place in a spacecraft to get us there. He's right here. And there are three things in this chapter that I see that what we do here makes it to there. Maybe not everything we do here is gonna make it there. Not everything we do right now matters there. They can hear it. But there are three things for sure because they're right here in this passage that if I do it here, it actually makes an impact there. It says right here that prayer, right? One of them, the golden bowls of incense that are the prayers of the saints. That is when you pray, it makes it through to the other side. And I know that we say that even as a child, what do we pray? And now I lay the Lord, uh, pray the Lord to lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord to sleep. What kind of a crazy prayer was that? And if I die before I wake, I'm four years old. Like, what? <laughs> pray the Lord my soul to take. I don't know. It was another time. But prayer makes it through to the other side. It says that these bulls, these golden bulls, not Pyrex, not Tupperware, right? 
Not like the carry out from like P.F. Chang's box that you're reusing. Like not even grandma's good china. These are golden bowls with your prayers held inside of them. Think about that. You know what that tells me? That my prayers are being heard. That they are making a difference. Because I don't know, sometimes I feel like I'm praying and it's not going so great. Not really praying and nothing's really happening. It's like bouncing off the ceiling. This is a promise to us. This picture of what's happening in heaven is a promise that God not only hears those prayers, he is keeping those prayers. And if you look through Revelation 6, you see the prayer uh, of the saints that were under the throne. How long, O Lord? They're asking the same thing you're asking. How long, O Lord, before our politicians come to their senses? How long, O Lord, before this stuff, we get our heads screwed on straight? How long, O Lord? And by chapter 8, the bowl had reached the fullness and the answers were thrown down to earth. For those prayers, it was how long until you will judge? Lord, how long? And the bowl was full. And at that point, the angels threw the answer down to earth. And I would say to you this morning, maybe you're just one prayer away from your bowl being full. Maybe it's 20 prayers. Maybe it's 100. I don't know. But when you pray, it is making a difference. God hears it and he is holding it in his hand. And when it is full and when it is his time, the answers will come. And for those of you that are like me also that feel like, man, I don't know. Uh, I, I, my prayers are kind of bad. I don't know how to pray. I'm praying this. Or, I, my prayers can be very selfish, very myopic, very carnal. But man, the promise of Jesus of Hebrews 7.25 is that he lives forever to make intercession for me. And do you know what that means? He's intervening on my behalf, right? He is saying to the Father, hey, uh, God, I know this is what Darren's asking for, but here's what he would ask for if he knew everything you knew. To put it differently, it's incense. You oil ladies, you, when you, when you throw the diffuser on, you know, right? it, it just sweetens up the room a little bit. The idea of incense, this is Jesus saying, man, I am sweetening up your stinky prayers. And it makes them beautiful before the Lord. Those prayers are sweetened up by our great intercessor before the throne. The second thing that I see in here that is on the other side that we can make a difference, not just our prayer, but our mission. Every tribe, nation, and tongue is represented around this throne. How did they get there? Jesus said, how? How will they know if someone doesn't go and tell them? How will they know? Now, I hear that, and I immediately think about, well, that means we all gotta go witnessing. Does anybody been around the church long enough to know what going witnessing means? Have anybody ever been subjected to that, you know? Exercise in public humiliation? Like, I gotta go in and... I'm coming up to a complete stranger with a track that, you know... Like, Jesus loves you. Um, and by the way, that, I don't mean to diminish that. Actually, one of our elders, Mike Howard, was saved. Have you ever wondered, like, does anybody ever get saved when someone knocks on their door? Turns out, yes. Mike Howard, in the 80s, maybe the only person in history, I don't know, <laughs> comes to a relationship with Christ after someone knocked on his door. My point is, that feels a lot of pressure. That feels like that's not a lot of fun, and it feels like not that effective. And I'm telling you that you sending people forward into the kingdom. You don't just have to go knock on doors. There's not just one way to do it, that you can be a witness instead of going witnessing. And what does a witness do? You just tell the truth about what you've seen and what happened. That's it. 
There is no pressure. This is not a sales organization. You're not trying to listen to the objections, overcome them, and close the deal. That's a Western idea. The idea that Jesus has is one of a farmer. You're just sowing seeds, and it is beyond your control what happens to those seeds. Parenthetically, Jesus in the parable of the sower, they only had a one out of four success rate. 25% success. By the way, I don't think that means that everybody's soil is bad for their entire life. It's just that moment in time. You've just sown the seed, and that is our job. What James Boyd is doing with our small group ministry with the art of neighboring is 100% towards that. How can you make friends with your neighbors? How can you be in a position to love them, to earn the right to be heard? You can be a sender. We talk about that here all the time at Conduit. You can be a goer. You can be a sender. You can be both. You can be either. You just can't be neither. When we send people into the nations, it counts. That's part of the principle of God. You offer even a cup of cold water to a child in my name, and you are going to get a reward for that. You are, it counts. For those of you that are here on a Sunday, uh, Kay Van Fleeteren is in Haiti right now. And those of you that are here even just helping it, you are a sender. We're all part of that together. No pressure to have to go yourself if God's not calling you there. And the third thing, when you talk about being Jesus to your neighbor, go home and read the parable in Luke 16. He talks about the shrewd manager who took of the finances of his master and he, uh, to his uh, people he worked for, he knew he was not going to be there long. He knew he was going to be out of this organization. He took his master's money and he began to work deals with the employees so that when he was out of his master's thing, that he had friends for himself when he was on the outside. And Jesus commended him. And that is a very mysterious thought. Except that my money is not my money. It's the master's money. The family that we freed again this week in Southeast Asia, Right? They are being freed with God's money, not your money. And here's the thing. If they beat you into heaven, guess who's going to be there? The end of Luke 16 says they are going to be there to welcome you into eternal dwellings. Luke 16, 9. They are there to welcome you because you made friends for yourself using your master's money. You are sending them ahead from every nation, tribe, and tongue. It's not just writing a check. You are investing in an eternity that they will be in that throne with you. The third thing that is there is worship and Think about what we just did here a little bit ago. We worshiped with our mouths, we worshiped with our hearts, and they heard it in heaven. That's a mind-blowing idea. John said, I heard them worshiping in earth. I heard them worshiping here. Singing is a form of worship, but it is not the only way we worship. Romans 12 tells us our reasonable act of worship is to offer our lives as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to him. This is our spiritual act of worship. Here's what that means. When he says uh, the creatures were all worshiping, by the way, I think there's a hint in here, by the way, Spurgeon thinks this, that this is a clue that there will be animals in heaven, which is a fascinating thought. That there will be animals. And I don't know if it'll be our animals. I don't know. I, I, I actually like to think that it will be. Here's what I would say. I'll promise you this. If heaven for you would not be heaven without like Fido, <laughs> then Fido will be there. God's, you know what I mean? That God's got this figured out. But how does a creature worship God? They do it by being who they were created to be. When you watch like a nature channel and you see the miraculous things that happen with a whale, like with a whale, right? Froman, you got it one time? 
They're worshiping God because they are doing what they were created to be on a miraculous level. They are offering their bodies as a living sacrifice and it worships God with that. And I would like to bring that back to you and say that in this room, there are those of you in here, you are perfectly gifted, empowered, anointed, and positioned to be exactly who God needed you to be at this moment in time. I mean, think about it in this way. There is nobody else, right? Nick, a pilot, he's flying, God only knows where, like Asia and He's flying all over the world. You could have been born anywhere in history, anywhere, at any point, in any place, but you were born here in this place, in this role. That means God has chosen you specifically for this, and it means that he he could have chosen trillions of people. He didn't. He chose you. It means he would rather have nobody but you in that role for that moment in time. Annie, you're going to college. This is an upheaval for lots of young people going to school right now. This is not the way you chose to it. But the fact that you're here right now is because God knew that he needed an Annie in this moment, in this time, for this school, for this role, for you. Do you believe that? Because if the God of the universe, the thr- he's on the throne, that he's created you to do that? It's a mind-blowing thing. Amber did not... Si- I, I, Homeschool was not something you were thinking about. No. How many are like Amber? You did not think about homeschool, but suddenly now you're a homeschooler. Okay. Now you other, you pro-homeschoolers are like, Pff. Okay. But give us, the rest of us, a little bit of, of a break. Okay. We don't know. We're, we know y'all have been working hard, but we don't know. It just means that he, you could have been born anywhere. You could have been born with any children. You could have been born at any place, at any time in history, with any family, with any children, and you were born with Micah and Lily for such a time as this. It just means you're the perfect person for that job. And here's what the world wants to tell you. You don't have what it takes. What is Romans 12? Conform no longer to the pattern of this world. What is the pattern of this world right now? It is fear. It is anxiety. It is stress. It is terror. That is the pattern of this world, and we do not have to live that way. And I would say, not only do we not have to live that way, we can bring glory to God when we choose not to live that way. Now look, here's the thing. It might mean, uh, it might mean it it won't be easy. It might be some burning going on, right? It might be what Eli Weissel said, that he who wants to give much light must endure much burning. If you don't know who Eli Weissel is, his writings from a concentration camp in Nazi Germany are just profound. But do you understand what he's saying? That light sounds really good and really romantic, but you know what causes light? Burning. You're gonna endure some burning, but you'll give much light. So when you think of that, now hear what Jesus has to say. You are the light of the world. This world might burn down with the burning, but not you, because you are full of the Holy Spirit and fire. You don't burn down, you burn up. You're not burning into out, you're burning into light of the world. We have an opportunity with our language. Parents, there are teachers right now that are just swinging for the fence. They're just hoping they get it right. They've never done this before. Cut them some slack. 
the light of the world would say, I could tweet something really mean at them or I could tweet something very encouraging to them. You get the choice. What am I going to do? What's the light? I'm burning right now. Am I going to burn with anger or am I going to burn with the light of the gospel? Your choice. And this could go across the spectrum. Politics, I mean, anybody better around me, you know I can get a little burned on politics. And God has been convicting me like crazy to let that light not burn something down, but to burn up and to be the light of the world. That is our choice this week. And I pray that for each and every one of us in this room, in this community, if you are a Jesus person, to believe that he wants you right where he's got you. He wants you to be right where he's got you. Rob and Amanda, you're back from Guatemala. Wasn't on the plan a year ago, but here it is, and here you are. You've walked back into the United States of America after six years in Guatemala, into the middle of a global pandemic. Congratulations. (laughs) In a farm with cows. You went from the middle of like the most chaotic scene to the most catalyst scene. I'm just saying, he sees you. He's got you right where he wants you. And you are exactly who he needs for that place at that point in time. Zach, you're going to college. This is not the way you thought you were signing up to go to college. It just means he knew that you were the one that needed to be there for that point and that time. And I, I just challenge you to believe it. Jen, you and Marshall, what God is doing with Marshall in D.C. right now, this is not what you signed up for. You did not, if you were given a, a multiple choice quiz of all these things I could choose, you would have like, that, even, that can't even be on the list. That's not an option. But it is because God has uniquely empowered, uniquely prepared, uniquely gifted you and Marshall and your children for such a time as this. I believe it and I pray that you do too. I could go around this whole room, but I understand that each of you are receiving a different message from the Lord in the same way, but all of us have to say, tomorrow, this afternoon, I have the opportunity. How am I going to live in this environment? My shows have been canceled. What am I going to do? Who, who am I? How am I going to live in this environment? God didn't see it uh, not coming. Jesus wasn't hiding behind the throne. He's not under the throne. He's not standing on top of the throne like there's a mouse in the room. He is in the center of the room because he's the one in complete control of it all. Do you believe that? Stand to your feet. I want to pray for you. My apologies to the parking lot. And Jesus, we give you. (laughs) By the way, when I'm done praying, I have to ask, could you? You can hang out as long as you want in the parking lot. Uh, but as fast as you can, exit out this way or that way. Get out into that fresh air. Get some of the fresh air into your bodies right now uh, from here. So go, as soon as I say amen, uh, make your way that way. Jesus, thank you for, uh, you're the light of the world. We might endure some burning, but it's not for nothing. It's to uh, bear much light. For the oldest and to the youngest, you could have given us any point in history. We could have been born in any place, any geographical location, but we are right here. And that means you have a place, you have a purpose, you have a position for us. Lord, give us the grace and the mercy and the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I love you guys. God bless you.